0: This is my IELTS Classroom, the podcast where two ex-examiners talk all things IELTS. I'm Shelley Cornick.
1: And I'm Nick Long.
0: And today we are looking at multiple choice questions in the reading exam. What are the basic facts about MCQs? What are the two best ways to approach these questions? And what four pieces of advice do we give to our students to help them deal with MCQs? Good morning, Nick. How are you? Good
1: morning. I'm feeling all right (laughs) today. How are you?
0: (laughs) That's good. I'm having a mixed morning, Nick. It's a mixed morning in the Cornick household. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the one hand, I woke up and I opened the curtains and there was this amazing, heavy fall of snow. That's
1: not what you want to see in the middle of March. I don't
0: know. I think it it is. (laughs) I think it's like probably the last snow that I will ever see in Russia.
1: Oh, actually, yeah, that's a good point.
0: So I had this real feeling of nostalgia and Mm. I kind of sat in bed and it was like properly big snowflakes and Mm -hmm. they were falling gently and it was all good. And I thought, I'll make myself a cup of coffee and I didn't have any milk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So did you you actually go out and go to the shop and get
0: some more? No, I just made a black cup of Um. coffee and I'm drinking it with anger, Um. (laughs) basically. But, you know, if the worst thing that can happen to you on a Monday morning is you don't have milk for your coffee, it's probably not a terrible thing, right? It's
1: not terrible, yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, it is not. Could be worse. It could be worse. Right, so we've got a really great um, lesson today. Mm-hmm. It's a it's all about multiple choice questions. Like all of our teaching questions, it's interactive, right? So if you want to take part, if you want to go with Nick, who is always my poor student, <laughs> through every stage of this lesson, go now to our blog. So that's com. And you will see all of the questions and all of the reading text there. So you can actually do them in real time with us, Um, which is always more fun, isn't it?
1: Yeah, much more fun,
0: I think. But if you are driving your car, I've made a decision today (laughs) that we will actually get Nick to read the, the paragraphs from the passages. Um, and there's a reason for that. I've got, there's a reason why I want to do that. So you can still listen along. So please don't go anywhere if you can't go to our blog at this time. But Nick, before we start, last week we had the interview uh, with Zena.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we've had quite a few emails this week of people saying that they enjoyed that interview. Yeah. So um, thank you, Zena, if you're listening. You probably aren't because IELTS is gone now. <laughs> um, but at the beginning of that, episode, we had a a quick chat, didn't we, about students we work with who don't need sevens, right? They just may need a five or a six. And so this week, we got a lovely letter from a lady called Maria Teresa. Um, It's quite long, but I'm going to read it because I think it's lovely. So, and you haven't heard this, so I Mm. should share it with you. So it says, Dear Shelley and Nick, I hope you're both well. My name is Maria Teresa. I'm from Brazil and I've been living in Australia for eight years now. Um, my partner finished his degree last year and we are applying for our temporary visa. I had to prepare for my IELTS test in order to apply for our next visa. I didn't need much 4.5 in general training because he is the main applicant, which is the same, same as Julia. Yeah. Same Mm -hmm. as Julia. Right. Anyway, I did not know about you. Uh, and I enrolled with another teacher. She's amazing too, but I only had one month before sitting my test. After the first week studying for my IELTS test, I realised that only two group classes per week were not enough. So I started looking for other ways to get to know more about the IELTS test and luckily I had this idea to listen to podcasts. I had never listened to podcasts before. First I tried another podcast about IELTS, I do not remember which one, but they were boring. (laughs) So (laughs) next, I found your guys. And what can I say? I loved you. You are the best. I listen to all your podcasts. Your sense of humour and the way you guys discuss IELTS is at another level. Oh, That's really nice. Uh, Your podcast gave me so much information. And to be honest, I knew I was going well with listening and reading, but I was struggling with writing. So I decided to get your writing online course, even though I did not have much time to watch all the videos, I concentrated on task two. I sat my IELTS test on Tuesday and I got my results. What do you think she got?
1: Well, judging by the quality of her English in the email, I'm going to guess it was higher than a seven.
0: It was a seven. I got a seven overall and Mm -hmm. 6.5 in writing. I'm really glad I found you guys. I will recommend you to all my friends. Excellent. I wish you all the best for you both. And I want to say thank you. And the reason we're reading this today, she says at the end, you're amazing. I will keep listening to your podcast because to be honest, after listening to all of them, I feel like I know you guys.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, so Marie Theresa, if you are listening, thank you so much for taking the time to mm. write to us and tell us about, you know, the small part that we played without even really realizing it um, in your IELTS success. So you say at the end, thank you very much. We will say to you, thank you very much. Um, those letters are pretty much what keep Nick and I going, right? Yeah, they are the yeah. petrol in our IELTS engine. In
1: our IELTS engine, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so that's enough talk about how funny and interesting we are. <laughs> Why don't we get on with what we should be doing, which is teaching these people uh, today about multiple choice questions. So Nick, guess mm. what?
1: It's time for me to read the introduction.
0: It's time for us to talk about multiple choice basic facts.
1: Okay, so multiple choice questions. You are given a question and four possible answers. And the questions follow the order of the text, which means you never need to go backwards in the text. Usually there is one question per paragraph, but you may find that some paragraphs are not targeted. There are two formats of the multiple choice questions, real questions that you have to answer or half a sentence that you need to complete. And finally, multiple choice questions can target one sentence in a paragraph or information from the whole paragraph, which is what makes them slow questions.
0: Thank you, Nick. Time just makes your voice richer. All right. So um, I think all of that is actually quite self-explanatory, but let's just go back to a couple of those points. Um, I think point number three, when I said there's one question per paragraph, what I mean is, let's imagine um, you've got, it's part three Mm -hmm. and the first question in part three, question 26 is a multiple choice question. That, answer for that will probably come for example from paragraph a Mm -hmm. and then question 27 will come from paragraph b okay you never have two multiple choice questions targeting the same paragraph all right okay so you would never have questions 26 and 27 in paragraph a that's just because to create a multiple choice question to have like the answer and three possible distractors you need to have
1: a lot of text a lot of information don't you
0: Exactly. So mm-hmm. it'd be impossible to write two from one paragraph.
1: Mm-hmm. That said,
0: though, you might have question twenty-six from paragraph A mm-hmm. and question twenty-seven from paragraph C, C
1: or D or
0: D. Mm-hmm. If they do that, the thing about multiple choice questions is it's not like true/false, not given, or or matching, mm-hmm. where your job is to really find the part of the text that contains the answers. For multiple choice. It's Because it's the whole paragraph, they will often say to you, in paragraph D, what does the writer mean when Mm -hmm. they say X? So they may actually say to you in the question, which paragraph you need to focus on to find the answers. And they often do that if they've skipped a paragraph, right? So always check in the question if it's telling you where the answer is. But in general, it's going to be one paragraph for one question and as Nick said, we never go backwards. So if you find question twenty six is paragraph a, question twenty seven is going to be b or C, right? We're always moving forward. Good. um the other thing I might say then, just for some language is that the question you are given is what I call the stem, right? So the stem of the question is is the is the bit which is which will say you know, in paragraph a, what does the writer mean blah blah blah. And then the four options. There's the answer and then there's what we call the distractors, which we've discussed before. Yeah. Why do we call it a distractor?
1: Because it's it's something similar to that is going to be written in the text and it's going to try and trick you. Maybe they use the same word or something like that. And it's to try and throw you off finding the right answer.
0: I mean, as an exam writer, when I'm writing distractors, Mm -hmm. for me to do a good job, I need some students to choose the wrong answer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like if nobody chooses A, if it doesn't distract or misguide any students, that's for me as an exam writer, I've done a bad job. Mm -hmm. So all of the distractors should somehow cause your brain to... uh, cause a question at least to make you think about it to make you doubt Mm -hmm. and think is this right or is this wrong
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, as you've just said Nick I think for people who've been listening to us for a long time we've done quite a few listening um, lessons particularly Mm -hmm. about multiple choice questions and box matching and I think now we should all understand that the one thing you do not want to do in any part of the IELTS test reading or listening when you have got Multiple answers is you should never look for what Nick
1: look for keywords.
0: Yeah, you should never just match keywords. All right, that if you are just reading the multiple choice question and seeing if you can find the same words mm-hmm. somewhere in the text, you are on a path to a very low score. All it's right, you work, have to it? think about the meaning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I just want to say that at the beginning because I think it's too simple for us to even really sort of discuss or look at in this lesson, because I hope none of us are just matching keywords. So for multiple choice questions, we're going to look at, I think, five or six questions today. And we're going to start um, with what I think is the two best ways that you can approach these questions. Mm -hmm. The first way, for me, if you can use it, is definitely the best. What do you think makes multiple choice questions tricky, Nick, do you think?
1: I think what we said before about having doubts about what the answer, what the actual answer is.
0: Right. Is that you've got these four sort of like sentences or half a sentence Mm -hmm. and essentially reading those as you read the text can become extremely confusing. Mm -hmm. Even for me, if I read the answers before I read the text, Mm -hmm. I can feel my brain bleeding (laughs) because my brain's like, is it true? Is that true? I don't know. The sentences they give you, the distractors, are designed to confuse you. So I would say the first way to approach these, and for me, it is the best way if you can, is if you are given an actual question, I would cover the 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 answers that IELTS have given you. Mm-hmm. And I would read the text and just try to answer the question in my own way. Words And then once I know the answer in my own words, I would then and only then look at the four choices and choose the one that most closely matches my answer. Mm -hmm. And I promise me, if you can do this, if you have got a real question which can be answered, that 99% of the time eliminates all of the stress from this type of question (laughs) because you just answer the question. I know the answer. This is the same. There we go. So... I think to prove this, there's one text which I love using, which I think is Cambridge Book 13. I think it's it's the general training book, test the, uh, Book 13, Test 1, Section 3. If you are an academic student, you could have multiple choice questions in any part of your test. If you are a general training student, you are only going to have these in Part 3. Lucky you. <laughs> so this is from Part 3. It doesn't matter if you're an academic student you can definitely listen along. So this is a text about papyrus, right, which is like an old-fashioned material that people used to write on. So question 33, multiple choice question says, what was the problem with using animal skins and wood strips for writing on? Once more, what was the problem with using animal skins and wood strips for writing on? So Nick, Mm because you have a nicer voice than me, Hmm. could you read that paragraph? Okay. And then we will try to figure out the answer. answer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, about 5,000 years ago, the Sumerians started to use reeds or sticks to make marks on mud blocks, which were then baked. But, despite being fireproof, these were difficult to store. Other cultures used more flexible but less permanent surfaces, including animal skins and wood strips. In Western culture, the adoption of papyrus was to have a great impact. Sheets of papyrus not only provide an invaluable record of people's daily lives, they can also be dated using carbon dating techniques, giving precise information about the age of the text written on
0: them. Thank you very much. Mm. So, listeners, what was the problem with using animal skins and wood strips? Nick. You've just read that what mm-hmm. was what problem is given here in the text for those two uh surfaces
1: other cultures used more flexible but less permanent surfaces, right including animal skins and wood strips. That's the only mention, one sentence exactly that we have. so
0: it so essentially it's saying they're more flexible, so that's not a problem
1: mm-hmm.
0: but less permanent mm-hmm. so what is the problem with using animal skins and wood strips? The text is telling us that they are less permanent surfaces. Yeah, so
1: the the text doesn't stay on them for a long time, basically.
0: No, and this is a great example of a type of text which actually focuses on just one sentence. You can find the answer inside one sentence. That's not always going to be the case today. So, now that we know the problem is that they are less permanent surfaces, Hmm. let me read the four options and you tell me which one matches less permanent. A... They did not last for a long time. B, they were not easy to store. C, they were insufficiently flexible. Or D, they could be destroyed by fire. Nick, what is the answer?
1: The answer is obviously A, they did not last for a long time.
0: Exactly. Less permanent means Mm -hmm. they did not last for a long time. Now, the way we just did that, for me, the answer seems very obvious. Mm -hmm. As you said, Nick, the... Animal skins and wood strips are only mentioned in one sentence. So it seems really, and it says they're less permanent and less permanent. The synonyms are do not last for a long time. Yep. It seems to me every student should get that answer correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We use this question as part of our course. We
1: do. <laughs> do
0: students always get that answer correct?
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> they do not. And I'll tell you why. It's because students often do not read.
1: Mm-hmm
0: in the reading exam. The reason why I want Nick to read the paragraphs today is because I want people to understand that. If you actually read and understand the whole paragraph...
1: It's pretty easy to answer the question, isn't it?
0: Finding the answer is not that difficult. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is, and we're going to look at some really difficult multiple-choice questions from the academic test. Mm. But in general, if you just read, you will probably find the right answer. I don't know if you can remember, Nick. Do you know which... um, which distractor the students often choose for this one?
1: Um, some Well, usually, I think it's usually not easy to store, but the other ones have also been chosen before.
0: I, for most, I did this lesson with two mm-hmm. really clever doctors last week who were almost too clever because they, even though I told them not to read the answers, they read the answers really quickly. Mm-hmm. They read not easy to store. They saw in the text, it says difficult, difficult to, to store. store. Yeah. And they just went, oh yeah, finished. That's the answer. Difficult to store, but the question, the sentence says these were difficult to, score, to store. What do these refer to in that sentence? So they're talking
1: about reeds and sticks here.
0: Exactly, they're talking mm-hmm. about the mud blocks which we made the marks on with the reeds and sticks, basically. Yeah,
1: so it's nothing to do with um, to do with animal skins and wood strips. It's the exactly. sentence before it, isn't it?
0: It's the sentence before. So if you are just a student at the minute who is scanning and skimming and just trying to match keywords, even synonyms, right? Difficult to store, not easy to store. No, you've got to read to make sure that you're actually answering the question. And for me, the easiest way to do that is just read, answer the question in your own words, Mm -hmm. and then go in and find the answer.
1: Yeah.
0: So method number one is ignore... The four possible answers. Answer the question yourself in your own words and then just go and find the one that matches. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, it's so much easier. All right. So that's method number one, which is covering the options and just trying to answer the questions. Mm -hmm. Let's try and do that then for the second multiple choice question in this text. So we're still talking about papyrus. Mm -hmm. But this time the question is, why did papyrus manufacturers hammer the papyrus? So, again, why did the papyrus manufacturers hammer the papyrus? So, Nick, why don't you read this paragraph for us?
1: Papyrus is strongly associated with Egyptian culture, although all the ancient civilizations around the Mediterranean used it. The papyrus sedge is a tall, grass-like plant. It was harvested from shallow water and swamplands on the banks of the River Nile. Manufacturing sheets of papyrus from papyrus sedge was a complex, messy process. Pith from inside the plant's stem was cut into long strips that were laid side by side. These were then covered with a second layer of strips, which were laid at right angles to the first, then soaked in water and hammered together. The sheet was then crushed to extract the water, dried, and then polished to produce a high-quality writing surface. Individual sheets could be glued together and rolled up to make scrolls or folded and bound to form books.
0: Okay, so I don't know. I remember the first time that I did this particular question and I didn't look at the answers, Mm -hmm. but after I read it, what would the answer to this question be, Nick? Why did papyrus manufacturers hammer the papyrus? Uh,
1: I guess to sort of to stick the layers of of straw. St- the sort of, st- hang on, it's not that clear yeah. to be honest.
0: No, no, yes, exactly. I'm
1: just reading it again to so they were covered with second layer of strips that were laid at right angles to the first thing. I guess it's to to stick them together because I'm guessing they don't have something like glue in those times.
0: Right. But the thing that's interesting is that you, mm. just like I, mm-hmm. I had to go back and read the and read bit about hammering again, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say sometimes, particularly if you're giving the beginning of a sentence, right, mm-hmm. and you have to find the end, you can't actually finish that in your own words. And I would say that for this particular question, it's quite difficult to sort of a hundred percent say why the papyrus was hammered my guess is the same as yours that it was about joining the bits together Mm -hmm. so sometimes for multiple choice questions what you want to do is rather than looking for the right answer you want to eliminate the wrong answers yeah Mm -hmm. so if we look at a it says to remove water from the pith strips and then we go back to the text
1: no it's not that because they're soaked in water and hammered together so it's it's
0: yes not about removing water here and well, and it says after the hammer, it says the sheet was then crushed mm-hmm. to extract the water. Mm-hmm. So it's saying, no, it was crushed to extract the water. Mm-hmm. Um, C, to allow the pith strips to be easily cut. There's
1: nothing here about cutting. Oh, it's in the sentence before, isn't it?
0: It's way before. Pith yeah. from inside the part stem was cut, which were laid side by so side. it's
1: definitely but not that one.
0: It's not a, there's nothing about hammering there. Mm-hmm. And the positions of, to position the layers of pith strips at the correct angle no no it says they were laid at right angles I think that could be the Mm. trick there Mm because what does right angle mean in English 90 degrees yeah not the correct angle
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the right Ah, angle I see so they're trying to make it look like a synonym aren't they
0: they're trying to make right angle, which is ninety degrees, look like correct angle. Yeah, it's and it a trick. would be
1: it would be the right angles, wouldn't it? If it was the correct angles,
0: it would. Yeah, the, the grammar would be different. It would be the mm-hmm. right angle, meaning mm-hmm. the correct angle. Yeah. So then, B to join the layers of piff strips together.
1: It must be the answer.
0: It must be the answer because basically none of the ar- other answers really work
1: at all. To be honest, at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I would say. Option number one, if you can, is just read the question and answer it in your own words and match. Mm -hmm. If you can't do that, if it's too complicated, or even sometimes the the stem, like the question you're given, it's too general to actually be able to find an answer without looking at the options, Mm -hmm. then definitely... Try to eliminate the wrong answers as you try to look for the right answers. Because in my experience, particularly for extremely difficult questions, Mm. eliminating is easier than sometimes locating or pinpointing the correct answer.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My name is Govinda Dalival from India. This is my IELTS classroom. I study with my IELTS classroom because it's enjoyable. Hi,
0: this
1: is Fatma from Asia. I'm a massive fan of my, ICE classroom. This this
0: is is my, my IELTS, IELTS classroom. This is my IELTS classroom. All right, so they are our two kind of main approaches. Mm-hmm. And for most, I would encourage you essentially either answer the question yourself or read and eliminate. Don't read the multiple choice options before you read the text. For most questions, that is a good idea, Mm -hmm. right? For true, false, not given, you have to know the question before you start reading. But for multiple choice, I think it can lead to a lot of confusion. Uh, So I personally would try to read and then look at the answers so that you're not confused by them. All right, so they're the two main ways that we can study. I would say then we want to have a look now at four techniques. I don't know what to call them. They are tricks maybe. Um, They are essentially just things that you should be aware of about multiple choice questions that are going to help you answer them better in the future, I hope. All right. So the first thing I want, I think you should be aware of is that some questions do not give you a explicit word-for-word answer in the text. Mm -hmm. So the two questions we've just looked at, it directly told us the answers, didn't it? It did, yeah. In the reading. Most questions do that, but sometimes they don't. So if we look at question... um, So now we're going to move. It's another general training text. It's about a flatback turtle. I don't know why that makes me laugh, right? But... Question: The first question, the first multiple choice question from this, says, "What does the writer suggest about the flatback turtle?" <laughs> now, there is a very key word, Nick, in that question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is the key word? Do you think?
1: Suggest.
0: Suggest. Mm-hmm. If a question says, "What does the writer suggest?" What does that tell us?
1: That he's not going to explicitly say something.
0: It is not explicitly told you are going mm-hmm. to have to infer or use your logic mm-hmm. to kind of extract the answer from the text now do you think for this question mm. what does the writer suggest about the flatback turtle do you think we could just read and answer that question or, or is it too abstract to just read an answer
1: i think it's quite abstract i think we should probably read it and then have a look at the answers and maybe eliminate them if necessary
0: so, again, I still feel that although the question is abstract, mm-hmm. if you start reading the answers now, your brain is going to become very confused. So even yeah. though so we may not be... so read the text first, able,
1: definitely, yeah.
0: I think, yeah, exactly. I still feel like if we read the text to understand it, mm-hmm. that is going to really help us
1: mm-hmm. um, Find when the right we uh,
0: when we come to the answer, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Nick, did you ever watch that TV program, QI?
1: I did, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I remember one of my favorite episodes is when they're talking about how they tried to bring back sea turtles Mm. from the Galapagos Islands, but they were so delicious (laughs) that they could never get them all the way back because they would just eat them on the boat on the way home. So that's what I always think of when I look at this uh, (laughs) sea turtle lesson. So let's read then paragraph A, just to understand it. Okay. Humans
1: have been eating sea turtle eggs and killing adult turtles for meat for millennia. However, as human populations exploded and as sea turtles began to confront additional threats such as intensive fishing, beach development and climate change, sea turtle populations declined precipitously. Today, all but one of the world's seven species of sea turtles are considered threatened according to the IUCN Red List. And the one that's not, the flatback turtle, is listed as data deficient, which means scientists simply don't know how it's doing.
0: Great. So we had a question about the flatback turtle, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So what do we know about the flatback turtle from this paragraph?
1: So from here, we don't really know if it's threatened as much as other sea turtles because there is not enough data on it.
0: Right. So we know that all but one of the world's seven species, so all the other six sea turtles, Mm -hmm. bless them, are threatened. (laughs) And the one that isn't, the flatback turtle, is listed as data deficient. What does deficient mean? Not enough. Not enough, which means we Mm -hmm. simply don't know how it's doing, right? So once we've read that and we understand that, now we can start looking at the questions Mm -hmm. to see if they match or if they can be eliminated. So let's start from the bottom up. All right let's start with d mm. it should be removed from the iucn red list
1: well no because we don't know how it's doing and other turtles suggest that it's not doing very well
0: <laughs> right so yeah. it's number one i don't think it's, it's not on the iucn red list is it
1: yeah it's not yeah it says all but one of the, the yeah so it's not even on the list yeah, so It says right. not even on so mm-hmm. i'd be
0: like well no it shouldn't be removed because it's the only turtle that's not on it hmm um, it's in less danger than some other species.
1: Could be, but we don't really have that information.
0: Right, it's the only one that's not on the list. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how it's doing. So yeah. that you might think, well, maybe that could be the answer. But let's keep going. Mm-hmm. All right, it has been neglected by scientists in the past.
1: I don't think we have enough information.
0: We're going to talk about that in a minute, Nick. I think that one is a very tempting answer.
1: It is. it because is Because it
0: says scientists don't know how it's doing.
1: That's true. Yeah. But
0: why do you think we don't have enough information? I agree with you.
1: I would guess that they probably live in a very remote place or they're live somewhere that's difficult to access and, and study them.
0: Right, and also it says neglected by scientists in the past. There's nothing really about in the past Yeah, here, is there's there?
1: nothing in the past, really.
0: Or neglect, because neglect is a very emotional word, like mm-hmm. scientists haven't been doing their job. Mm-hmm. All right, and so hopefully then, A, it could be as severely threatened as other turtles. Well,
1: this is much better than C, because of the, the model verb, could be, instead of is.
0: Exactly. And so I would say, what is the writer suggesting? I think in the end he's saying, hey... it could be, this one could be we just don't know Mm -hmm. so I definitely think that the answer is A I agree but you can see that these types of questions which ask you to infer which ask what the writer is suggesting is that more difficult or easier than the last two that we did?
1: I think this is much more difficult to be honest
0: much, much, Mm -hmm. much more difficult you have to actually think about Mm. what the writer is trying to say to you or what their opinion is. So some of the answer, if you see the word suggest in the question,
1: You're not going to have a clear answer.
0: (laughs) Be prepared that you're going to have to work very hard to find the clear answer, right? So that would be my first piece of advice. Be aware of the word suggest. All right. Second, then, piece of advice that I will give you, which we may have actually already kind of looked at, is that, I would suggest try to think of multiple choice questions as Mm -hmm. a kind of strange version of true, false, not given questions, where you've got four options and you know one of them is true. Mm. And the rest of the options, they may tell us it's false in an easy question, but a lot of the answers are just not given. As we just saw in that last one, right? We don't know if scientists neglected. There's not enough information in the text. So in in multiple choice questions, not given just means this is not the right answer. So let's keep on reading about these um,
1: sea turtles. turtles.
0: Also, the other thing to remember is unlike the first uh, example we gave where the answer was given in one sentence, Mm. sometimes you have to read multiple sentences to be able to understand what the truth is right so i think this next question is a great example of how items are not given and you have to read a lot to finally get to the answer which means nick you need to be ready um, (laughs) to read a lot so this question says williams Gillin. so we're looking for a man says that the poaching of sea turtle eggs in nicaragua right
1: and we need to finish That's the That's now, it's yeah. not a question, mm-hmm. it's half
0: a sentence. Do you think we could just finish that sentence, Nick? Uh,
1: well, we're going to have to read, obviously, aren't we?
0: It's going to be impossible just to answer that qu- answer that sentence. I think, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean is we're going to have to look at the options. Yeah. But I still think that you need to read first before you look at the options. Even though we can't possibly finish that sentence because we're not psychics i still think we should read and then we can go back and start looking Mm -hmm. at the options all right so what does william gillen say about the poaching of sea turtle eggs
1: okay so this is quite a long one so i'll try Mm -hmm. to read it at a slower pace so everybody can catch it so one major problem is that every year millions of sea turtle eggs are illegally taken by poachers for sale on the black market The situation is particularly serious in Nicaragua, in Central America, which is home to four sea turtle species. Kim Williams-Gillen, who works for conservation body Paso Pacifico, described the poaching of sea turtle nests on the beaches of Nicaragua as uncontrolled, unregulated, extensive and contested. Even the best protected beaches are plundered to some extent, And it's not uncommon to see poachers digging up nests just meters from tourists watching sea turtles laying their clutch at night, she said. This poaching becomes particularly frenzied during the Arribadas, mass laying events where thousands of turtles nest on the same beach for a single night in a biological strategy to overwhelm natural predators. Even with armed guards, the number of poachers overwhelm military personnel by 10 or 20 to 1. Williams-Gillen said, Although many poachers are locals with limited resources, during these arribadas there are influxes of gangs of poachers from larger cities outside local communities. These are not just local poor people without other options.
0: Okay, thanks, mate. All right, so Williams-Gillen says quite a lot, doesn't she, Mm. about these sea turtles. So we'll start working um, through the options. So it's all about basically who is carrying out these this poaching? So mm-hmm. if we look at A, it says, she says that the poaching of sea turtle eggs in Nicaragua is mainly carried out by local people. Mm-hmm. So now this is where we need to go back into the text. Now, mm-hmm. do you think, can you remember, do you think that's true, false or No, I or think that's given? false
1: because she said people come from outside local areas to do it.
0: I think that's what she says as well. She said, although mm-hmm. many poachers are locals with limited resources, during the Arabatas, there are influxes of gangs these are not just local poor people without other options. So I think that is false.
1: Although it does say that they only come during these arribadas.
0: Those arribadas, right. So, so that's you can see.
1: Mainly is, is the word that's. It's
0: mainly, mm. right. So it's kind of false. So I would say I'm definitely not,
1: not going to cross sure. that one off.
0: Yeah. I would keep going. Um, may be encouraged by the presence of tourists. No, I don't think so no i think don't, i, mean, I they, think
1: it happens despite tourists being there but it's not encouraged by tourists it's the wrong word
0: it is not encouraged it says mm. it's not uncommon to see poachers digging up nests just meters from tourists mm. so the tourists are there but i don't think the tourists are saying yeah go on <laughs> dig them up <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, can only be controlled by the use of armed guards
1: well we can see that Armed guards don't actually stop;
0: it, they don't stop, they stop them. Don't stop Even it from happening. with yeah. armed guards, the numbers of poachers overwhelm military personnel. By 10 or so the final option. Craziness. So we've still got is mainly carried out by local people, mm-hmm. or sometimes has a highly organised structure. It's
1: see, I think it sometimes has not or, highly organised structure because it says the criminal gangs come in from other communities, so that suggests some kind of planning doesn't it? And structure. I think the
0: highly organised structure is definitely the poachers who come in... From um, outside. From outside. And again, these gangs of poachers. And because it says sometimes, that's the key thing. Because as you said, it's only during the Arabadas... Festival. Festival, mm-hmm. right? So I would say a lot of the time, I, I you know, without sea... A does look like a possible answer, right? Mm-hmm. Is mainly carried out by local people. But when you arrive at C, there should... I would say when you're choosing these answers, when you get the right answer, you should have a strong feeling that it's the right answer. Um, Good. Very good. But I think there's a lot of confusing stuff here. And a lot of things that are kind of not given mm-hmm. is mainly carried out. I don't know if it's mainly maybe encouraged. I don't think they encourage... It's just not quite enough information. So just be careful of, you know, don't fall for keywords or things which are not given. You're looking for something which is clearly told to you, unless it says suggest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's the not given trick. The next one then Mm. is, I don't really know how to call this, but I'm going to call this a word salad, right? Because (laughs) it's where whoever's writing these questions, they just put, so many similar words into the four possible answers that it's really easy to become confused. You've really got to take your time to be 100% sure Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
0: that the item you choose is the synonym for what's in the text. So for this question, this is one of the ones I was saying about Nick. We've jumped a couple of paragraphs now, and it says, in section E, Mm -hmm. so it's telling you, read section E, uh, Williams Gullen says that one way to encourage poachers to take fake eggs. So before this, they dis- um, there's a paragraph that describes how they're making these fake eggs to trick poachers, right? So yep. the poachers will take the fake eggs and not the real eggs. Mm-hmm. So one way to encourage poachers to take the fake eggs is two. Let's try and finish that sentence in our own words.
1: Okay. Sea turtles, on average, lay around 100 eggs in a nest. And once the fake eggs are finished, they will be slipped in with the real ones. Williams Gillin said it might even be possible to deliver fake eggs into nests while poachers were at work. Wary of tourists, poachers will often back off if strangers come near and then return when they have gone. It would be pretty easy to drop an egg in the dark into a nest they have been digging up, she said.
0: Great. Right. So in your own words like nick what is she saying like what is her method of giving the poachers the fake eggs
1: so she's basically said that they're a little bit afraid of tourists Mm -hmm. so if you go approach them basically while they're digging a hole then you can slip the the fake eggs into the hole when they sort of walk away and when they come back to dig up the eggs they'll take the fake ones
0: Exactly, right? So they're they're digging their hole, they see some tourists, Mm -hmm. they're going to run away. That's the chance we can put the eggs into the hole. Mm -hmm. So I understand the text. Mm -hmm. But let's just see, you know, this they were having an evil day in the IELTS office when they wrote these ones, right? Because it is just confusing. So option A... Mm -hmm. One way to encourage poachers to take the fake eggs is to, A, make fake nests and put the eggs into them.
1: No, there's nothing about making a nest here.
0: We are not making the fake mm-hmm. nests, are we? Okay. No. B, put them in nests with just a few real eggs.
1: Could be, but there's nothing about the number of real eggs that are already in the nest mentioned in the text.
0: Right. So, in a way, we are telling them to put them in a nest with some real eggs. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say a few real eggs, does it? No, it does doesn't it? say
1: anything about the number of eggs already in it.
0: But it still looks tempting because it's kind of true, yeah, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um. C, distract the poachers after the fake eggs have been put in the nest. No,
1: not after the fake eggs have been put in the nest.
0: It's before. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so now, in the exam, you're like praying, please God, let the answer be D. Put <laughs> them in nests that the poachers have started to dig up. Yes. That is the answer, but can you see how in an exam, all mm-hmm. of those options, if you read those options before you read the text...
1: You'd be super confused. <laughs> you'd be
0: like, what's going on with these nests and the eggs? I don't understand. <laughs> it would be massively confusing, which yeah. is why these distractors are designed to confuse you, which mm-hmm. is why even if you can't finish the sentence, read it, understand it, and then come... because the first couple, like a couple of them, we could dismiss immediately, couldn't we? Yeah. No fakeness, no. Distra- distract the... No. So A and C were immediately gone and then we just had to make the decision between B, B and D. D. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, otherwise... Can I just say, one of my favourite school stories is that I had a um, a girl that we went to school with. She was uh, she was the goalkeeper in our hockey team. Mm. And <laughs> she was sitting her A-level history and... The examiner said, "Um, you now have three hours for your history exam. You may now turn over the paper. And she got so stressed about it. She just passed out. And she just went down on the ground. And basically, like, everyone's trying to do their history A-level. And they're having to, like, carry it outside while the ambulance came. But I always think about that. Those multiple choice questions, I can imagine maybe somewhere in the world, somebody is just, like, (laughs) passed out on the desk. the stress.
1: Just looking at them and thinking what am I supposed to do here? The nests and the (laughs) eggs,
0: I don't understand. (laughs) Okay, so, um, what have we done so far? We have spoken about um, questions where you have to infer the answer when it says Mm -hmm. what does the writer suggest. Questions where uh, a lot of the answers are not given, right, but you have to read across a large piece of text to actually find the answer. Questions where The items are really similar so you have to think really carefully about every single word in the answer. Is it when did the eggs be put in the nest and uh, who is distracted? The last type that we're going to look at is from an academic test and I would say that these are really the most difficult questions because they're putting all of this kind of like all of these tricks together into one paragraph Uh so this is a new text but i've chosen the first question so so we've got it's the first paragraph of the reading right it's a really good reading about what is exploration right this idea of like how we go and explore and this time the question says the writer refers to visitors to new york to illustrate the point that Uh so nick this type of question which one is it similar to do you think
1: Uh, It's like, uh, kind of like the suggest question, isn't it?
0: It's kind of like the suggest question Mm -hmm. because, but here they are basically saying, hey, the writer is going to give us the example of New York. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is not going to be... What he actually says
1: about New York.
0: He's not going to say, I'm giving you this example to show, right? You're going to have to... Connect them. understand from context Mm -hmm. what point he's illustrating. In general, Nick, do examples come after the writer's made a point or before? After. No examples usually come after, don't they? That's what I said. Oh, did you say after? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Morning. (laughs) It's like I didn't have any milk in my coffee. Exactly, right? So, I would say if you're asked, you know, what does this example illustrate, you're Mm -hmm. probably going to have to read everything and then go back to find the answer right so let's just read it It's, it's a nice paragraph this i would say if you're listening at home you think about this why does he talk about new york what is he trying to say
1: we are all explorers our desire to discover and then share that newfound knowledge is part of what makes us human indeed this has played an important part in our success as a species Long before the first caveman slumped down beside the fire and grunted news that there were plenty of wildebeest over yonder, our ancestors had learnt the value of sending out scouts to investigate the unknown. This questioning nature of ours undoubtedly helped our species spread around the globe. Just as it is nowadays, no doubt helps the last nomadic pennon maintain their existence in the depleted forests of Borneo and a visitor negotiate the subways of New York.
0: Thank you, Nick. All right. Now you might want to listen to that a couple of times, right? I think there's a reason why reading text and listening text are different, right? I mean, this is a very difficult text to understand just by listening. So
1: I've, I've, been, I've been teaching general reading for a couple of months and yeah. there is definitely nothing as <laughs> difficult as that in the general reading.
0: This is the thing, right? Over so, yonder
1: I'm, and <laughs> things Right.
0: Like that. I mean, some of the language, <laughs> mm-hmm. the first caveman slumped down. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it?
1: Beside the fire The, the last
0: nomadic pennon maintain their existence in the depleted forests of Borneo. I've been to Borneo, nice place. Oh, wow. But, and a visitor negotiate the subways of New York. Mm-hmm. So what helps us, just as nowadays, no doubt, as it nowadays, no doubt, helps a visitor negotiate the subways of New York? What is the it there? What is helping us negotiate the subways of New York?
1: Questioning nature.
0: I think it's this questioning nature of ours, Mm -hmm. right? And again, so we've got it, which refers back to this questioning nature. Mm -hmm. And this questioning nature is itself a reference, which goes back, I think, to the first line, we are all explorers.
1: Our desire to discover and then share newfound knowledge is part of what makes us human.
0: So the example of subways of New York at the very end of the paragraph Mm -hmm. is basically referring all the way back to the first sentence of the paragraph, isn't Mm -hmm,
1: it? mm -hmm. That
0: we are explorers. So I'm going to read all four options, all right? And then you're going to tell me, listeners, which is the right answer. So the writer refers to visitors to New York to illustrate the point that A, exploration is an intrinsic element of being human. B, most people are enthusiastic about exploring. C, exploration can lead to surprising results. And D, most people find exploration daunting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think?
1: I think there's a couple of possible answers there, but I think, I think the answer is pretty clear overall. The answer yeah. is A, in my opinion. I think you could maybe think the answer would be B, but we have no real reference anywhere to most people.
0: And also about enthusiastic I think you need to look at that like, it's like, it's natural and we do it. I'm Mm. not sure if we do it or maybe. Yeah, maybe, but I think you're right. Maybe it doesn't say about most people.
1: No, it it is sort of speaking in general, isn't it?
0: But I think this becomes really interesting is that as we get to very like much more difficult, particularly academic questions, some of the other items aren't 100% wrong. They are just not the main points that the writer is trying to Mm -hmm. illustrate. And so you've got to really be thinking, okay, why has he done that? I think it's definitely, I mean, just the language in this. What does intrinsic element mean, Nick?
1: It's um, something essential, like, uh, not essential, but built in.
0: Yes, built in, inborn, inherent, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, what it is saying in that first line, our desire to discover is part of what makes us human. It's intrinsic Mm -hmm. here. And also, you know, just to confuse me even more, they use the word human, right? So okay. some students may think, oh no, the key word human, yeah. <laughs> it can't be the answer, <laughs> but it definitely is. So this just goes to show why I think multiple choice questions are slow questions.
1: Yeah, definitely. You need to really understand the paragraph, don't you? Yeah.
0: <sighs> We're not just matching a keyword, word. We're not just understanding a sentence. You've got to understand the whole paragraph and the main idea. Um. So I would say, I don't know how you've been tackling these questions in the past. Definitely read before you look at the questions. Mm-hmm. Or no, definitely read before you look at the answers. Look at the opening, at at, at, the, you know, at the question or the half sentence, because you may be able to answer it yourself as you read. But then after you've read it, after you've understood it, go and look at the options and then make a decision. You may say to me, Oh, it takes too much time. <laughs> it does take time, but that's why we we recommend read once, read well, because if you don't read this well, you won't get it. I mean, come on, this is a philosophical text, right? Mm-hmm. It's difficult. I don't think we can do it um, in any other way. Okay. That was it, Nick. So, are you going to do A, go and have a cup of tea, mm. B, go back to bed, mm. C, teach a lesson, or D, I don't know what would be. D, what mark, are you do mark
1: now? a couple of essays? <laughs>
0: oh, what? <laughs> All right. Well, great. That makes me happy. Um, so, what are we going to talk about next week?
1: I'm not sure. Do you have anything in mind that we should talk about next no, I week? I
0: don't actually. I think we'll probably, I feel like we haven't done speaking for a while.
1: Maybe do some speaking.
0: Speaking part one, maybe some vocabulary for part one. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, sounds good.
0: All right. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Take care.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.
0: My IELTS Classroom Podcast is a production of My IELTS Classroom Limited. Nick and I do not represent IELTS and everything you heard in this episode is our own personal opinion. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on our blog. That's blog.myieltsclassroom.com. And if you're looking for our video courses, speaking lessons and marking service, you can find that at www.myieltsclassroom.com. If you have a question or query or just want to chat, you can email Nick and I at hello at myieltsclassroom.com. Our theme music is by Heartbeat and our artwork is produced by David Brown. Have a great week, study hard, and remember, this
1: is is my my IELTS classroom.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.